1: Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast, I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. On Friday, the California federal judge presiding over the reunification of immigrant children separated from their parents called the government efforts unacceptable. Earlier in the week, Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley also criticized the administration's policies.
0: However, like many well-intentioned policies, uh, these uh, were un- there were unintended consequences.
1: And in another federal courtroom on Friday, on the opposite side of the country, a judge upheld his order that the DACA program should be fully restored, giving the administration 20 days to appeal. Joining me is David Beer, immigration policy analyst at the Cato Institute. David, uh, turning to the federal courtroom in D.C., Judge John Bates gave the Trump administration a second chance to show him there was a legitimate reason to rescind DACA. Tell us what he asked the administration and what the administration provided.
2: Well, when the administration first uh, rescinded DACA for the Dreamers, who immigrants who entered the United States as children... Uh they did not explain why they believed that that was a proper decision for the government to be taking. And so what the court found was that this decision was arbitrary and capricious, did not have a basis in law, and uh, the judge required the administration to reissue that memo, uh, rescinding that policy, or uh, provide the court with valid legal reasons why it believed that that policy was unlawful. Uh, The government really failed to do that, and and the decision um, from the judge really lays out in detail why the court felt that uh, the Department of Homeland Security has not shown why they are, are taking this action. So
1: the judge didn't say that the DHS secretary didn't have authority to rescind the program. So if the Trump administration, which is expected to appeal, can come up with a better explanation, with a good explanation, is it possible that the judge will rescind the order or that the appeals court will?
2: Well, at this point, really, the appeals court is going to be looking at whether or not the judge has abused his discretion in this case to uh, basically enjoying the the memos that the Department of Homeland Security has put out. So the, they're really going to be ruling on whether or not uh, DHS has provided the courts with a legitimate reason. So they could overturn it, but at this point, you know, providing new rationales is not going to help the administration. It's going to be decided based on what they've already Uh, put out there.
1: And what's your legal opinion about what they've put out there? Do you think it can sustain an appeal?
2: Well, I would be surprised that if this went to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court did not uphold uh, the determinations by the Department of Homeland Security. I mean, when this policy was rolled out, it was done without going through the regulatory process. Uh, this has always been an agency, uh, you know, the types of decisions that agencies have routinely taken based on uh, their own discretion without judicial review. And it's somewhat surprising that uh, the, ad- the administration has so far been unable to convince uh, any court uh, across the country that uh, they actually have the authority to do this without uh, providing a-, a detailed explanation of-, of their decision. And part of the reason why they've uh, had so much trouble is that they've tried to say that they're not doing this for policy reasons. It's not that they don't want DACA to exist. It's that they believe that DACA is illegal. And that is what the judge continuously came back to and said, you never explained why you think it's illegal and your justifications for why you think so don't hold any water. So why not tell us the real reasons that you're doing that? And they failed again uh, to provide the real reasons for them taking this action.
1: Now, there have been previous court rulings in California and New York. There's another case pending in Texas, which may find the program to be unconstitutional. The Ninth Circuit is going to issue a decision. How do all these cases fit together?
2: It's uh, really uh, all of these cases so far have pointed in the same direction that, uh, you know, really the administration has done a very poor job in how they have justified uh, the decision to rescind DACA. And of course, you. Uh, may know that the court in Texas is also looking at this. This is the same court that struck down the Obama administration's expansion of the DACA program to parents of, of, uh, of American-born children, and uh, he is likely to strike down DACA, based on the reasoning that he provided back in 2015, and so we could have conflicting decisions both in D.C. and Texas and California. Uh, one requiring the administration to continue DACA, and the other ones, uh, the other one in Texas, uh, striking it down. So that will lead to the Supreme Court intervening and deciding the issue once and for all.
1: And and you think the Supreme Court will uphold? the government's position?
2: I expect that the Supreme Court will side with the administration on this issue.
1: Despite the fact that more lower courts have gone against the the administration. That's right. Because?
2: Well, I think the the reason is that as I explained before, many agency actions uh, similar to this one have been taken in the past and have been allowed to stand, particularly decisions about whether or not to um, issue certain benefits on a discretionary basis or rescind certain administrative actions, such as creating you know, a program for people who right, they thanks. do not want to remove.
1: David, we run out of time. It's always great to have you on. That's David Beer, Immigration Policy Analyst at the Cato Institute cities have had enough of executive actions that are slowly killing Obamacare, and they're letting the Trump administration know that with a lawsuit. Just last week, the Trump administration announced that it would allow insurers to offer short-term health care plans that don't meet the Affordable Care Act's minimum coverage requirements. Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar explained the change in an interview with Bloomberg.
2: These can be 50 to 80 percent cheaper that Obamacare exchange plans. So this is a really important new option for millions of Americans.
1: Joining me is Timothy Jost, a professor at Washington and Lee University School of Law. Tim, the city's claim that the Trump administration is trying to sabotage Obamacare, and they explain all this in a nearly 150-page complaint. Give us some of the highlights of the administration's actions they're complaining about.
0: Well, the complaint focuses on um, a... Two different kinds of actions one is a rule that was put out uh, earlier this year to govern uh, the sale of, of insurance policies for, uh, t- for 2019 and uh, the complaint singles out a, uh, quite a number of things that are included in that rule that are reducing the regulation of health insurers uh, and reducing access uh by consumers to information uh about health insurance and generally it will probably have the effect of suppressing enrollment Beyond that, the complaint also and and the complaint uh, alleges that those actions violate the Administrative Procedures Act, which governs the, um, uh, the promulgation of federal regulations um, in that they uh, the rules are arbitrary and capricious and also in violation of federal law. The second uh, uh, issue raised by the complaint, which is a bigger issue, Um, which is the uh, claim that the administration generally is violating what is called the take care clause of the Constitution. The United States Constitution uh, requires the president to take care that the laws are faithfully executed. Um And uh, President Trump has repeatedly said, and the complaint uh, lists just pages of his tweets and statements that he is trying to kill the Affordable Care Act. Uh, which is a law that was uh, duly enacted by Congress and which Congress refused to repeal last year when it had the chance. Um, and so it lists a number of actions taken by the Trump administration, including the new short-term rule, um, and other rules that are driving up the cost of health insurance for people with pre-existing conditions, And undermining uh, the market for uh, health insurance coverage. So,
1: Tim, has the Take Care clause of the Constitution gotten much play, so to speak, in the federal courts?
0: There haven't been a lot of cases uh, raising the issue in this way. There are uh, uh, Supreme Court cases and appellate court cases that are cited in the complaint that make it clear that the uh, the president, the federal government, does not have the option of simply ignoring federal law, of simply refusing to enforce federal law. but what's going on here is really unprecedented uh it's it's hard to think of another instance where a uh president has so openly and vociferously and uh and actively in, in the actions that the administration has taken uh, refused to implement a federal law and done everything that it could do to undermine a federal law that was adopted by Congress. The, as we all remember from from uh, civics in, in mm-hmm. high school, um, Congress adopts the law and the president uh, executes and enforces the law, and this president is just refusing to do that with the Affordable Care Act.
1: So the Trump administration hasn't filed a response yet, but can you anticipate what the response might be?
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I would guess that they will probably start by trying to raise jurisdictional issues, uh, challenging whether the cities, which are in fact heavily burdened by the administration's actions, have the right to sue. Um, And then I guess we'll probably also claim that that the take care clause is unenforceable. Um, And uh, so we'll, we'll see where they go. They do have some time to respond, although... Um, I'm not privy to uh, the, uh, what the plaintiffs plan to do, but if they move for a preliminary injunction, then maybe things will move more quickly.
1: Now, is this suit an uphill battle for the cities, or which side has the advantage here, in your mind?
0: Well, uh, because it is a uh, uh, claim that uh, is going to be somewhat novel— uh, I think it will be somewhat of an uphill battle. On the other hand, as you pointed out, this is a very long complaint that points out in great detail many actions the administration has taken to undermine the Affordable Care Act, um, and uh, and so I think that uh, there is certainly a very good possibility that it will ex- succeed in some of those claims, at
1: least. The Justice Department announced that it would not defend Obamacare against a lawsuit that was brought by the Attorneys General of Texas and 19 other Republican-led states. How does that fit in with the scenario that this lawsuit points out?
0: Well, I think the lawsuit specifically mentions that action as one of the actions that the Trump administration has been taking to sabotage the, the Affordable Care Act um and yes it's very concerning uh that uh the administration they they did not say that they would not defend the entire law but they said specifically that they would def- not defend the parts of the law that protect people with pre-existing conditions um and uh make sure that they get affordable health coverage so it's it's kind of ironic that uh, a provision of the law that is uh Supported by the vast majority of the American Republic, uh, the pub, uh, public, including a majority of Republicans in recent polls, is the one provision that this administration has singled out to say that they will refuse to enforce.
1: Just about a minute here. We're seeing Trump's words and specifically his tweets used in several lawsuits now. How have courts responded in general to the use of the tweets in lawsuits?
0: Well, that's that's a developing issue, but in some of the cases involving immigration law, uh, at least some of the courts have uh, found the tweets to be significant evidence of the Trump administration's position. And in a case like this, where the claim is that the administration is explicitly not uh, fulfilling its obligation to implement and enforce the law, I think the tweets are very powerful evidence that that's exactly what's
1: going on. And what's the uh, what, do you, what do you put the chances at of the states, or the cities rather, g- being able to get an injunction here?
0: Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I okay. don't think I can predict that. <laughs> that's but all right, Tim. We run out of time anyway. Thank you so problems.
1: much. That's Timothy Jost, professor at Washington and Lee University School of Law. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com podcast I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis,